starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie! Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV, do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. And I'm your host, B. Lede. Now, I have been gone for some weeks now. And it actually wasn't a planned break, but I needed to take one because I had a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, of course. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and provide a little bit of an explanation. So I've pretty much had some things going on, which hasn't allowed me to be in the right headspace to produce the content that I want to. And one of the major things that I had going on was a car wreck that I was in in September, which I am okay. And my mom was in the car with me and she's okay as well. Uh, The only thing that she had was a achy ankle because she'd actually gotten surgery on it almost a year ago. And when I had got hit, it was on the passenger side which is where she was on, but she's okay. I'm okay. It was just that dealing with the insurance companies and the process was really grueling. I was just kind of really in my head about it and it just didn't allow me to focus on anything else or maybe it was myself not allowing me to focus on anything else. Plus I was preparing for, you know, the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving coming up you know, we have Christmas around the corner. And normally what I end up doing is every year I will take my younger siblings, uh, well, two of them and my, uh, some of my, uh, cousins, I actually will, um, take them to go see the lights. But this year I did something different and had them come over and we played games, had hot chocolate pizza, got them some gifts and, you know, it was a really good time. So, I just had a lot of things going on and I still currently do and I have I have a lot to think about for this next upcoming year but I was finally motivated enough to come back and finally push out this episode that I promoted a month and a half ago but either way like I said it's been some weeks and I'm so sorry because I didn't plan it but I did not want to come on this mic and just give you anything and just force myself to do content when I just, I'm just not, like I said, in the right headspace to be able to, uh, give you some good content that will allow you to escape because ultimately that's one of my main goals is I know I like looking at TV shows. I like looking at movies and, you know, seeing them enjoying what they do makes me escape from whatever I'm going through. So I didn't want to put y'all through that or, you know, make y'all feel down or be like, why she sound like that? So I just felt like it was best for me to just take a step back. But what I'm going to try and do is try and um, catch up. I normally have a schedule set out for the year. And of course, I adjust it as I go because sometimes I have movies listed that I'll talk about and I'll go, oh, I don't feel like talking about that. Let me change it to this. Um, So I'm going to try to push out some episodes to try to catch up and to get where I wanted to be around this time. Ooh, please pray for me. 
But also, I know I have people who do listen to this podcast and um, I'm pretty sure they're probably wondering like, where the heck has she been? Or maybe not. I don't know. But um, if you are coming back to this episode and you're listening to this, I appreciate you so, so, so much. And I'm happy to be back because to be honest, this is one of my happy places because There isn't a lot of things in my life where I'm able to express myself creatively or talk about movies uh, and just rambling on about them. (laughs) So this is the podcast where I'm actually able to do it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this. So if you happen to be a new listener and this is your first time listening to my podcast, well, hi, I'm Bila Day, like I said in the beginning. And if you're new to this podcast, I will tell you how it works. I grew up in the blockbuster era where it was fun to go rent movies. It was a literal pastime. You had to be there. So I'm excited to share with you the many movies I have seen when I was younger and the ones I've seen throughout my years. Now, whether you're hearing about a movie for the first time or you end up going down memory lane, my job is to bring you two movies that fit into a different theme each episode. You should also know that there will be multiple parts to majority of these themes. Now, even though the movies I discuss will more than likely be older, when I tell you the summary, I normally still don't spoil the ending just in case you never heard of it and you're actually interested in watching it. So you are in for a treat today, which I hope will keep you coming back for more. Now, today's episode is titled, But Ma, that's the Look Who's Talking trilogy. But before we get into that. Let's do some house cleaning first. I want to let you know about my social media and my website. I am available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please follow any of the pages where you will get a sneak peek about upcoming episodes, which I do with a game called Guess the Theme Slash Movie. My website is butma.thatsmyfavoritemovie.com and you can write reviews, give movie or theme suggestions, and more. All of the handles to the social media and link to my website are in the show notes slash description box below. Now make sure if you are loving these episodes, please give us a review on the Apple Podcasts or on my website. Make sure if you're loving the episodes to give us a review on the Apple Podcasts app or on my website. And if you do, you will get a shout out on one of my episodes. All right, so what you've all been waiting for, let's go ahead and get into the theme. So today we are starting something new. Remember I told you when I had some things up my sleeve that I wanted to do on this podcast? Um, It's still pertaining to the movies, of course, but I want to try something a little bit different. So previously in episode 73, we actually compared remakes, right? So now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a trilogy series. So What I'm going to do is in the near future, of course, um, this is another element. Um, So one of the themes will actually be me just comparing movies that have multiple sequels or maybe just one sequel. Um, And we're going to do that along with, like I said, with the episode 73, I did the remakes. I'll continue to do that as well. Now, the series we're going to discuss today is Look Who's Talking. I absolutely love this trilogy and it really just reminds me of when I used to watch these movies during my childhood 
and how much I adored them and how good they made me feel when I watched them. And you know what? I don't really hear people talking about these movies. So I'm just super excited to share them with y'all today. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So basically, I'm just going to kind of break it down movie by movie, do the same thing that I do in every other episode. And if you don't know, I'll go ahead and fill you in. So what I do with the movies is I actually go in and give you just information about it. When it was released, the director, writers, cast, the summary of the movie, and just some behind the scenes information about it. And normally I will talk about the movie up until the major plot point, like within the summary. So I don't give you just like a basic summary. I kind of go through like how the movie begins up until, like I said, the major plot point. So since we got a trilogy we're about to get into, go ahead and grab your popcorn, grab your wine, grab your soda, grab whatever treat, whatever snack, whatever drink you want, um, and just sit back and listen. Or if you know what, I know I, I normally, while I'm working and stuff, I listen to podcasts. So continue doing your work. And if you can multitask by hearing me in the background and working on something, then you do you. All right, let's get into it. So the genre for this trilogy is comedy and it stars Kirstie Alley who plays Molly and we have John Travolta who plays James and you will soon find out that I am a John Travolta fan. I actually have a little story about him. Um, but yeah, I love the I love these two actors in this movie. They are so good together. And what really makes this movie to me um so lovable and sort of just like unique is that even though it's a comedy, it does have the romance element mingled into it, but it's not your typical like, you know, comedy or love story. Um, the biggest element is that we get to hear one of the main character. Well, another main character of the story is the baby. His name is Mikey and we get to hear his thoughts out loud and we get to hear like his perspective of things that are going on around him. Cause keep in mind as a baby, we don't know what they're thinking. They can't talk or communicate with us. So we're getting that element in this film. So it's like, he's kind of replying back to what's going on, even though the parents cannot actually hear him, which makes it funny. And what makes it even more funny is that the baby is actually voiced by Bruce Willis. (laughs) Now, if you know Bruce Willis, you know, he's from movies like Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, The Sixth Sense, you know, more serious or action type of roles. So the fact that he is doing a narration or a voiceover for a baby is actually quite hilarious. Um, especially in a movie with like John Travolta and Kirstie Alley, right? You wouldn't expect him to do something like this. And um, that's another thing that I love about this movie. Um, so since I already went into the cast, let me go into more of the cast that we have here. Now we also have Olympia Dukas, who plays Rosie, who is Molly's mom. She was also in Moonstruck and Still Magnolias. We have George Siegel, who plays Albert. Um, He was in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in 2012. We have Abe 
Vaguda, who plays the grandpa. He was in The Godfather and Good Burger. We have Twink Camplin, who plays Rona. And she actually was in Clueless, which I talked about in my nostalgic episode. And also in the movie Loser. And now the baby, and this is actually kind of a common practice, is played by multiple babies. And that normally happens because of, you know, child labor laws. They can't spend um, too much time working on set because they are a minor. So we do have three different Mikeys, which is Jared Waterhouse, Jacob Haynes, and Christopher Aiden. And it looks like I think this was the only film in their acting career. I don't think they went on to continue it once they got older. Now, of course, John Travolta, he's was in Pulp Fiction as well. And, you know, he played in Greece and Kirstie Alley. She was in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan and Drop Dead Gorgeous. And also it takes two. So you'll also see I have some movies that I love by Kirstie Alley as well. Now, the director for the first movie is actually Amy Heckerling, who also directed Clueless and Fast Times at Ridgemount High. And this movie was actually released October 13th, 1989. And I'll go ahead and get into the quote because I do normally do a quote before I introduce the movie and get into all the good stuff. But we're, I guess, changing it up this episode. (laughs) Okay, so here's a quote. Lights, camera, action. That's it. You have exotic baby disease. And I look like I could play the lead in Night of the Living Dead. And your father deserted us so that he could pork his interior decorator. I think you can safely say it can't get any worse. Okay, now. I probably did not do that quote like she did it. But you know what? Oh, well. Um, (laughs) I just did what felt right. Um, I did go to acting school and all, so. All right, so um, let's go ahead and get into the summary. Molly is an accountant who is having an affair with one of her clients. His name is Albert. Now, he is married, and he always tries to downplay his marriage to satisfy Molly because he does enjoy having sex with her. I mean, let's just keep it real. Now, she actually believes him, like any mistress that's having an affair with someone that she grows to love, she believes everything that he tells her. And it does make her feel better about having the affair that like, okay, well, I'm not totally in the wrong if he's not really happy in his marriage, you know, things like that, trying to rationalize having an affair. So the first time we meet them, they end up having this passionate sex that leads to Molly getting pregnant. Now, when Molly finds out, she tells Albert and, you know, she makes it clear to him that she is going to keep the baby regardless if they're together or not. And initially he does act excited and Molly even decides to tell everyone that she ended up getting a sperm donor to keep his identity secret because she does know at the end of the day, he is still a married man, even though they're about to have a kid outside of his marriage. Now, at one point, Albert tells Molly that he is planning on leaving his wife and he actually went ahead and got his own apartment, which really excites Molly. And she actually brings up like coming over so they can spend time together at his place. And he's hesitant and tells her that they should still continue to be discreet, which should be a red flag. All of it's a red flag. But, you know, 
you know how people do. They'll still keep going and just push those flags to the side. Now, while out shopping with her best friend, Molly, of course, she's out with her best friend, co-worker, Rona. And Molly is feeling really insecure about her body because she's, you know, very far along in her pregnancy and she just isn't feeling herself. She isn't feeling attractive. And while they're out um, looking at different clothes that Rona can, that can try on, surprisingly, a woman and a man in this dressing room stall in front of them, like leans out of the threshold of one of the stalls. And it turns out it's Albert with his new decorator. And, you know, of course, Molly's having an affair with him. Now he's cheating with someone else on her. <laughs> um, but you know how that works. How you get someone is how you can lose them, right? So Molly ends up storming out of the store. Albert follows her and he pretty much confesses that he's in love with her. They're going to move in together and that, you know, he's just being so he's in a selfish phase right now. Like he can't handle raising a kid and, you know, trying to take care of her and all of that good stuff. Cause obviously his kids are not older like teens or anything, but they are big enough that they aren't babies or toddlers. So I guess he feels like he's done raising kids almost. And so, of course, this really upsets Molly and she wants to be left alone. And so she ends up storming off, leaving her friend, leaving Albert, all of them behind. And as she's like walking on the sidewalk, you know, fuming, she ends up feeling herself going into labor. So she calls a cab. Um, She ends up getting in this cab and the driver's name is James, which is John Travolta. Um, And once he realizes that she's in labor, he's like rushing her to the hospital and he actually ends up being by her side, you know, while she's in labor and everything. And the doctor even mistakes him for being the dad. Cause obviously it's like a guy bringing her in there. He's going to just assume that that's the dad, but she's too discombobulated to even like to correct him or to say, Hey, no, no, that's, that's not the father. That's just the cab driver. And, 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 you know, I think at the same time, she kind of liked that he was there because he could have just been like, oh, hey, I'm gonna drop you off and leave. But he actually did stay there by her side. Now, a couple of days later, James actually shows up to her place. And initially, Molly apologizes because while all of that was going on, she was like hitting on him and stuff. And um, she's like, here, I didn't pay you for the you know cab fare. Let me go ahead and do that. And then she's like, oh, well, you know, I don't have my purse with me, so I can't really give you however much I actually owe you, but I can give you something. And then she realizes, she's like, wait, how did you find out where my place is? Because she didn't tell him. And she's like confused as to why he would even know where she lived. And so he ends up showing her her purse. Like, hey, this is why I came to drop off your purse. And obviously your wallet was in there. So I was able to tell where you lived. So James ends up playing a pivotal part as he becomes close to Molly and Mikey, which is the baby that he low-key was there for when it was born. And so they both end up like helping each other in different ways. And while doing this, this actually brings him closer as James begins to fall for Molly and Mikey. Like he's like all into it. And like he he's really kind of taken on this father figure role with him pretty quickly and he enjoys being around Mikey he enjoys hanging out with him it just becomes a regular thing and then also we have Molly who begins to fall from him because obviously she see how one he was there for her when he didn't have to be then how he's building a relationship with Mikey and how he interacts with Mikey and she obviously earns to have 
a dad for Mikey and also a man for herself because, you know, who wants to be alone raising a kid? I mean, we know it happens, but hey, if you can find somebody who's willing to um, not only be there for you, but your child, I mean, hey, that's, that's a really good deal. So... So as they spend more time with each other, they begin to experience dealing with some challenges along the way, but because of the bond that they've built, they're able to work through it and come out stronger. And actually, it really does end up working out for them in the end, and they end up getting what they want. So spoiler alert, and I'm only doing this because I'm going to be talking about the next two movies anyways. So you're eventually going to figure out what ends up happening towards the end of this movie, which leads to the next one. So at the very end, like at the end credits of the movie, we actually see Molly in the hospital and she just had a baby girl named Julie and James and Mikey come to see her. But what's funny is the voice of Julie is Joan Rivers. But when we get into the second movie, we have a different voice there. But let's go ahead and get into some of the behind the scenes from this first movie. So according to, and I've been saying Kirsty, but I think it's Christy Alley. But according to Christy Alley's memoir, she fell in love with John Travolta during filming, but she stayed faithful to her husband, which obviously you know you if you are married and you are committed to someone you should definitely be faithful be loyal to them that should go without saying if you watch this movie I mean I would too I'd be in love with him too just the way he you know the way he you know John Travolta is very charming he's very very charming person all right now the uh, next thing that we got here so Amy Heckerling who is the director was inspired to write the film after her husband and writer, Neil Israel, started playfully talking in a different voice to pretend what their new baby would say. Her husband also has a cameo as Christy Alley's character's boss. And this is probably one of the first movies that I have talked about that is actually an original movie. Remember, I've brought this up before and I'm going to probably end up doing a tally out of all the movies I've talked about. But when I tell you that original movies are pretty much rare in Hollywood, because I mean, they are. And this is one where the director actually wrote it. Now, you will come across movies that directors wrote themselves, came up with the idea themselves, and it's an original piece of work versus basing it off of a novel, a comic book, or a video game, or a remake. Um, so, and most of the time, I guess you could say remakes were the original movies when they, you know, go ahead and remake them. But yeah, so I just wanted to notate that because I think that is something to be notated. All right, so although Pulp Fiction, which came out in 94, is widely considered John Travolta's mainstream comeback, this was actually the first commercially successful film since Staying Alive, which came out in 83. Now, John Travolta, for basically four years, was not able to be in a successfully commercialized film. Movies that he had did were pretty much failing and not doing good at the box office. And he was in Moment by Moment... 
uh, he was in blowout, two of a kind, perfect, the experts, and none of them really hit like the movie Staying Alive. And then he was also known for Saturday Night Fever. So his movies were not hitting for four years. And this was the first one that did it because people think that, okay, Pulp Fiction, a lot of people may even know John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. What I know John Travolta from is Luke is Talking and Urban Cowboy because I just, the way I grew up, my mom showed me different movies and that was the ones that we've seen and that's where I know him from. And to be honest, I think this one, or actually Grease as well, I'm not even sure now. So to be honest, I think it was either, hmm, I don't know. You know what? At an Urban Cowboy, Luke is Talking and Grease, I don't know which one I saw first. I'm thinking now it may have been Grease, but I think I saw, I saw Look Who's Talking way before, I think I want to say way before I saw Grease or maybe even, maybe it was Urban Cowboy. That, you know what? It was one of those movies. That's how I came about knowing who John Travolta was. But yeah, anyway, so because of the critical and commercial failures of those films, studios and directors were just reluctant to give him a chance because they were actually starting to see him as a has-been. So he just wasn't getting a good track record for a while. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're at the top and then as quick as you're at the top is as quick as you can get pushed down to the bottom. And then you really don't have anyone trying to pick you back up. So, but luckily, you know, he worked through it. He ended up getting a film that, you know, put him back on the map. And, you know, that's his story now. Um, now I thought this was very interesting. Now, Robin Williams was considered for the role of Mikey, but Williams agent wanted too much money, which was double the film's production budget. However, he would co-star with John Travolta in the Disney movie, Old Dogs. And honestly, Williams doing a baby voice. Williams was known for doing voices. He was a master at voices, right? So he would have been amazing and obviously we would have all known how amazing he would have been in this role no doubt about it that's why his price was so high and I just think it's funny that they end up getting Bruce Willis and to be honest Bruce Willis with you know his um his charisma and and, and what he brought to the film I felt like it just everything fell into place so even though we didn't get Williams and we know he would have been brilliant we got Bruce Willis and I felt like he understood the assignment. Okay, and so, um, okay, so, you know, normally I tell you where I get my behind the scenes facts is from IMDB, but uh, I have one little fact, well, not even fact, um, one little experience. It's not even my experience. It's an experience to someone else, but my um, stepmom, she had worked at, I believe it's CAI, um, it's basically this training center for pilots. So whenever they need to renew their license, which I think they have to do it every couple years or every year or something like that. This is one of the uh, pilot training facilities, which is where I'm at in the area I'm at. I'll just say, say Grapevine, right? So my stepmom was working there and basically she would go and set up the rooms and stuff and John Travolta was actually at that facility. And of course, I think he went like 
after hours because he's John Travolta, so he can't like be there during the day because people would probably go crazy. Um, because he's had a successful acting career and everyone freaking knows who John Travolta is. Okay. So, um, yeah, she ended up meeting him and she got a picture with him, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, because, you know, obviously she knows John Travolta as well and, you know, we are big fans of him. So I just thought that was so interesting. And it's funny because in this movie, he wants to become a pilot. And if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I know I saw somewhere, but I'm going to say allegedly because I'm not for sure. But I believe it was this movie that started his love and passion for flying because John Travolta is a pilot. Like he drives planes like that is his thing. That's his passion. So this movie was the start of it, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe he wanted to do it before, but when he did this movie, you know, being in a plane, even though he was playing a character doing it, I think that sparked it back up or it just sparked it in general. So I thought that was very interesting. All right, so we're going to go ahead and lead into the sequel. And I actually don't have a quote for this one, but you know what? It's okay. I do have a quote for the next one though, but we'll just skip all that and we'll just get into this sequel. So the sequel is titled Look Who's Talking 2, T-O-O. It was released December 14th, 1990. So this movie is actually 31 years old and its birthday just passed. So, oh my God, that's crazy. And it's funny because I remember when I was a kid in the 90s, 30 years ago was the 70s, you know, and now 30 years ago was around the time I was born. Um, and actually, it will literally be 30 years when um, I, well, my birthday is next year. So all of 92 babies will be turning 30 years old. So officially, the 90s will be 30 years ago next year. And it's blowing my freaking mind, okay? All right, so once again, um, the director is Amy Heckerling, which, you know, she directed the first one. But this time around, we actually have another writer. So Amy was a part of writing this script and her husband was invited or hired to help her write this script as well. Something else that I absolutely love about this particular trilogy is the fact that we have reoccurring actors coming back to their roles and they actually do it in the next two movies, which is the movie we're going to talk about and then the third one. And that is another thing I feel makes this movie even more special is that the original cast kept coming back. I feel as though whenever we get new actors or actresses in the movie, it changes the dynamic. It isn't the same. It's not something, you know, you would necessarily want to keep following. But when you keep getting the same people, it just makes it even more special because obviously they feel as though they want to keep coming back to the character. So it's going to make you want to keep watching it because if they have faith in this series or trilogy, then it gives us all of the faith to want to continue 
watching it and giving it a chance and being entertained by it as well. So the actors that we do have coming back are Christy Alley returns, John returns, Olympia, Twink, and we have Bruce Willis. Now here are some new cast members that we have. We have Elias Cotes, who plays Stuart, and he was in Thin Red Line and Prophecy and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We have Roseanne Barr, who actually voices Julie. Remember when I spoke about Julie before? And of course, she's known for the Roseanne show, and I talked about her in episode 54 in the movie She-Devil, and that was But Ma, That's My Favorite Wife Getting Revenge movie. We have Damon Waynes, who does the voice of Eddie, and he's a part of the genius Waynes family who have made like Scary Movie, uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. He he had his own show, My Wife and Kids, Major Pain, Boy Scout, all that good stuff. Uh, we have Mel Brooks, who does the voice of Mr. Toilet. And he was in Spaceballs and Blazing Saddles. And then we have Gilbert Gottfried, who plays Joey. He uh, did a voice of the parrot in Aladdin. And he was also in Problem Child. And we have Lorne Sussman, who plays Mikey. And this was the only movie that they were in as a child. Because at this point in this movie, Mikey is a toddler. And then we have Megan... Milner, who plays Julie at one years old. All right, let's go ahead and get into the summary of this movie. Now, Molly and James are married and they're living together and they are currently trying to get in the mood, but Mikey yells, which causes James to have to go check on him. Now, after James calms him down and he goes back to Molly, it turns out that she had ended up falling asleep. But he ends up waking her up anyway so they can continue where they left off. And this actually leads to baby number two. (laughs) And uh, Molly ends up getting pregnant again. So even though in the last movie, which I thought was interesting, it, it left off after the credits that she had the baby. But this movie begins where we see how it started So I guess maybe, but even that scene wasn't even inserted into this movie at all. So I think they maybe, and I'm going to get into this information later, but the director wasn't planning on doing a sequel. So she wanted to kind of close some loose ends and have them have their own baby together. But it wasn't the plan to do this movie, but we'll get into that um, in the fun facts section of it. So This pregnancy, it is different because this time she isn't doing it alone. Now, granted, the first baby daddy was in her life. It was one of her clients. He still was not proactive in raising Mikey. Like he was there while she was pregnant because he was still getting it in and getting what he needed from her. But once the baby was there, he was completely out of the picture. But in this movie, now we have James, who is who is basically the father of Mikey. And then now he is having his own child with her. And this baby is Julie. Um, But of course, um, the better part of the movie, we're just experiencing Molly as she is pregnant again. And then of course, then we have baby Julie and, you know, time goes by and we see her at a year. But to backtrack it a little bit. So 
So James and Molly are, while she's pregnant, they're trying to potty train Mikey because it's about that time where, you know, it's time for him to get out of Pampers and for him to start using the toilet. So they're trying to train him to potty, but at the same time, he's actually afraid of pottying because we are getting the baby's perspective. So of course, this is something new to the baby. Well, he's a toddler now, but this is something new to the kid that he's not heard of before. And it's foreign and it does sound scary. Just think of anything you've been introduced to for the first time and you almost feel maybe some pressure to do it. You're going to have a little bit of fear and hesitation about doing it because this is just something that's different to you and it's unfamiliar. And it's like, me sitting on the toilet and doing this, but I've been doing it in my pamper. So we're still getting that kid perspective, you know, hearing his thoughts about, you know, his fears of, you know, going on the toilet. And then we also have Mikey dealing with the idea of being a big brother. And it really doesn't hit him too much while she, while Molly is pregnant, because of course the baby's in the belly and he's the only child up until this point. And I'm not sure exactly how old he is in this movie. I don't know if he's like two or three. I don't know how much time exactly has passed, um, since she's gotten pregnant again. Um, but he looks maybe like he could be maybe about two or three. I don't know if he's like three or four, but he could maybe be about three or four. I'm not quite sure. And I don't think they actually say his age, but anyway, so he's getting used to the idea of being a big brother because of course they mention it. He sees mommy's pregnant. And then, um, we also have the perspective of baby Julie while she's in the womb. So we're actually getting her thoughts about things she's hearing from the outside and how she's feeling inside the womb as well. And that's one of the biggest things in this movie is they really play on like the reproductive side of it. Um, like even when they uh, have sex in the beginning and when it insinuates that she is going to get pregnant, we actually see the sperm in competition against each other trying to race to get inside of the uterus. And they're all trying to find a spot on there in order to dig in. And obviously, you know, a couple of them do actually find a way to get inside break that down but whatever it is they show all of that but you know they're kind of playing on it and making fun of it but um so yeah we we've we've gotten all of that throughout the first film now we're getting it in this film again and then of course we're getting it while she's even in mommy's stomach so some new obstacles that they're having in this film um as a married couple financially um that becomes an issue because that being a cab driver only does so much, um, to provide any sort of income. And James true passion is to become a pilot. And so he's working on being a pilot, but he's kind of like training and he hasn't really found any gig that's really paying him much. So it becomes a struggle for him as a man to try to figure out how can he be like a main source of income? Because as of now, Molly is the breadwinner because she is the accountant and she's the one who's basically paying majority of the bills. He helps a little bit, but he's not able to help as much as he would want to. And so that sort of becomes a power struggle because, you know, Molly's used to being the breadwinner. She's used to being a, a single mom for some bit of time. Not really a lot because James was kind of always there from the beginning, but 
to a certain degree, yes. And, you know, she's had her own place. She's done her own thing. And now she has someone else coming in. And she really doesn't mind being the breadwinner. I think it really bothers James more than anything. Um, because he feels like she gets to be in control of all the decisions and being the head of household, you know, just pretty much taking care of everything. And, you know, that does bother him, but he, he is very good with the kids. He's very good with Mikey. Um, but that's just one of the weaker points in their relationship is just the financial issues. Now, when Julie does come, she realizes, okay, instead of Mikey staying at home, which James is able to do that, stay at home with him and, you know, watch him and stuff. But she feels that he needs to socialize with other kids. So she decides she wants to put him in daycare. And that becomes another issue because, you know, James is like, we can just keep him here. He can stay with me. But she's like, he needs to get out. He needs to be around, you know, other kids, other toddlers. You know, he shouldn't just be at home. He needs to learn how to be social, which I feel like in the 90s, that's why a lot of my generation knows how to be social and it kind of stopped um, as soon as we entered the era of always being on our phones, iPads, you know, always being on TV. We watch TV, but now it's like with these electronic devices, you're able to communicate with other people without them physically being there. And so now we have a generation that is being prohibited from learning social cues learning to be social, how to be social, how to interact with people because they're so used to just doing it through a phone or like an iPad. So that was really big in the 90s because kids went to daycares, kids had babysitters, kids even babysitters, you know, were surrounded by other kids because maybe their babysitter had kids or maybe they watched other people. So we were surrounded and, you know, had no choice but to interact with other people and to learn those skills. And, you know, James is not into it. He is, he does not want him going to this, um, what's actually not even a daycare. It's a gym. It's this gym with kids, but it's allowed them to be able to, you know, like they have a whole like playset thing and like, you know, like the mats that they have at like gymnasiums and all that. So it was just, it's just a lot of stuff that they can get into and do. And then another issue that they run into is that we find out Molly actually has a sibling. His name is Stuart. And um, Stuart actually comes to stay with them because Stuart's like one of those kids where I don't want to say the world revolves around him, but he's so used to being taken care of. He doesn't really take accountability for his actions or really worries about what he needs to do to really sustain himself. He's just like, if I don't like something, then I'll just walk away from it instead of trying to figure out, okay, before I walk away from it, let me make sure I have something else, you know, and on the background before I just up and leave. So he just really doesn't care. And his sister, obviously we can tell babies him, his parents baby him. And no one really tells him like, Hey, you need to, have a backup plan before you decide to just quit a job or before you decide to just leave a place. You have to have some sort of stability, but no one tells him those type of things. And James sees that and he is actually bothered by how much he gets babied by his sister and how much, you know, Molly does take care of him, even though he's like a full grown man. So this actually causes a rift in their relationship because we have the financial issue. We have Julie coming into the picture. 
you know, we have Mikey dealing with, you know, his child. I say childish, but not like in the way we say it negative, like, oh, well, that's childish. But like literally his childish fears about using the potty and then also dealing with having another sibling. And we just, you know, this time around, we have a lot going on. And um, this actually causes Molly and James to have a big fight whenever she allows Stuart to move in because of course it's like this is a small apartment he's a grown man he should be doing his own thing and pretty much James feels like Molly is choosing her brother over him which of course she shouldn't make family choose between a significant other and a family member but in this case that's what happens and so this big fight causes James to like move out and they're not really on talking terms. And of course he's there for his kids, but that's pretty much it. So what Molly has to do is really look at herself and reevaluate if what she wants and her choices, are they more important than how James feels and what James wants out of the relationship? All right, so some behind the scenes information that we have here. So Richard Pryor was offered the voice of Eddie. So Eddie, who is voiced by Damon Wayans, it's just a small part. Um, it's one of the kids at the uh, gym that Mikey ends up going to, but he turned it down due to his health not being very good, which of course Richard Pryor is another one that I could have seen doing a voice on this in this movie, but it didn't happen. Now, uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans both do voiceovers of the little children in this film, like I just mentioned. And one year after the release of this movie, both Willis and Wayne start together in the action thriller, The Last Boy Scout. So there's another connection there. In a 2016 interview with The Current, an online publication of the Criterion Collection, Amy Heckerling mentions that she had sort of been forced into doing a sequel to Look Who's Talking for legal reasons. And it was just like, the story is over. That was not a fun experience. That's her quote. So like I mentioned before, Amy was not intending to do a sequel. She wanted to do a one and done type of thing with this movie. But of course, you know how the studios do. If a movie's super successful, they want to keep it going. She wasn't into it, but obviously I'm guessing in her contract or whatever she signed with the studios, she had to go forth and do another one. And I think that is why she got the help of her husband to help her write it because her head really wasn't in it. And so she probably needed that help, that boost, that push to be able to get through making this film. So unfortunately, it doesn't sound like it was the best experience for her, but you know what, even with all of that, you can never tell with the, you know, plot of the movie, the making of the movie, that there was any strife or anything going on. So that's a good thing out of it. Now, the Lear, now the, now the Learjet featured in the movie was actually owned by John Travolta at the time it was made. And on the tail number, it says N254JT and JT equals John Travolta. Because like I told you before, he's actually a trained pilot. So um, I don't know how deep he was in. I'm guessing he was pretty deep into it at the point that they made this movie for the fact that he had his own freaking plane that he got to feature. Now, this movie came out in 90 and the other movie came out in 89. 
yeah, the other movie was just in 89. So I think, yeah, what definitely happened was that movie had really, really pushed him into, um, allegedly, we're going to say pushed him into being a pilot. And so then he ended up (laughs) not too long after, you know, freaking showcasing his freaking plane in the next movie. All right, let's go ahead and get into the last movie of this trilogy here. So let's begin with the quote for the third movie. Lights, camera, action. Uh, mom, can I kill her? Not before dinner, honey. Okay, so that quote was actually between Mikey and Molly. And now in the third movie, it's titled, Look Who's Talking Now. And Mikey is now much older and he no longer needs a voiceover because he's no longer a baby and he can talk. And Julie as well is a lot older and now she can talk as well. So what actually continues the legacy of hearing someone's thoughts out loud that cannot communicate in this third movie is actually the pets. And we're going to go ahead and get into that. Um, So this movie was actually released November 5th, 1993. And the director and writer's are completely different. So I we can assume that Amy was definitely not willing to continue on with this trilogy because she was done after the first one, even though she still had to make the second one. So the writer that we have is Tom Robluski and um, he wrote Loverboy. And then we also have Leslie Dixon, who was a writer for the 1987 Overboard, Mrs. Doubtfire, Freaky Friday. And of course, Amy still gets credit because she created these characters. So she gets a writing credit as well still. And Tom is actually the director as well. And he had directed Madhouse, which I talked about in the um, But Ma, That's My Favorite House Guest movie. So now we're dealing with a totally different director here. Now, once again, like I said, what makes this uh, trilogy a gem is the fact that they have reoccurring actors repriving their roles. So, of course, we have John Travolta coming back as James. We have Christy Alley as Molly. The mother comes back, uh, Olympia Dukas as the mom. And we have George Siegel who is Albert and he is the baby daddy. He sort of just has a cameo going on. Now for the newer cast members. Now we have David Gallagher who plays Mikey and he is older. And we have Tabitha Lupin who plays Julie and she is much older as well. And um, she's actually from Hairspray from 2007 and Santa Claus. And David was actually in the show Seventh Heaven. Now, Tabitha, who plays Julie, you may know her from a popular meme of this little girl who has her face scrunched up and she looks very upset and she's shaking a brush. And um, if you've never seen this movie, now I'm letting you know where that meme is from or that gif that has gone around is from. It's actually from this particular movie. So that's a little fun fact there. Then we have Lisette Anthony who plays Samantha. 
and she played in Dracula Dead and Loving It. And then, oh, I love this. Okay, we have Danny DeVito, who does the voice of Rox, which is the stray dog they end up rescuing. And of course, we have Danny DeVito from Matilda and Throw Mama from the Train. And in the episode with But Ma, That's My Favorite Kid in a Movie, you know, I talked about Matilda. Then we have Miss Diane Keaton, who does the voice of Daphne, um, which is a poodle. And I talked about her in First Wives Club, and she's known for Annie Hall. And then we have Elizabeth Leslie, who plays Ruthie, and she was in My Secret Identity show. And then last but not least, we actually have a cameo from the Charles Barkley. And he was in He Got Game and Space Jam. And if you're not a sports person like me, then I'll give you just a little bit info of who is even Charles Barkley and why is he important, right? So he actually played for the Philadelphia 76ers for about eight years and he was traded to the Phoenix Suns and he was there for about four years and then he went to the Houston Rockets. And so I'm not really an expert as far as, you know, when it comes to sports, but um, I'm not really sure what team he's really known for, but you know, that's just an idea of who he is. And, and if I have to say any team, I'd want to say maybe the Philadelphia 76ers is probably known for that because he was on that team the longest, but Uh, Go ahead and comment below if you know that information. (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and get into the summary here. So now Mikey and Julie are your typical walking, talking kids and have a typical brotherly and sisterly relationship. Now, Molly is still the breadwinner and James is still struggling to find a job that can help him contribute financially to the family. So I know what you're probably thinking, right? Oh my God, how has he not gotten it already, right? Which I kind of was thinking that too, because I'm like, dang, he still ain't found a job yet after all of this time. But I guess that helps with the plot of the story because what ends up happening is he gets a interview to be a private pilot for the president of a Fortune 500 company who happens to be an attractive woman. So while Molly is worried about him not getting the job, she ends up getting fired from hers. Luckily for James, he ends up nailing the interview. And Samantha, who is the one he did the interview with, who is the president, she is really taking a liking to James. So now in the midst of all of that, Mikey says he wants a dog for Christmas and Molly tells him he can't have one right now because the apartment is way too small and she doesn't think it's fair to have the dog in the apartment. So Mikey does come across a puppy, but of course he isn't able to get it. But some months later, the dog actually crossed paths with Mikey and the dad. So they decide to bring him home. But at the same time, Samantha, James' new boss, decides to give James a dog because at one point while they were working, he had mentioned to her like, hey, my son is really interested in getting a dog and I think I'm going to let him get one, even though he hasn't even discussed this with Molly yet. And so she decides to give her dog Daphne, which is the poodle, to them. 
So they end up getting two dogs when initially Molly didn't want any. (laughs) And James thought they were just going to have the rescue. So within this dilemma, they're like, okay, well, the dog's already here. We kind of feel bad for just one, giving the dog back to James boss because James thinks that will look bad. And then also they don't want to get rid of the rescue whose name is rocks because he was actually going to be euthanized at the shelter. So they're like, we're in a dilemma and we really don't know what to do. So then they decide that, Hey, let's kind of try these dogs out, see which one we like the most, and then we'll find a home for the other one. Now, of course, rocks, he's the mutt. He's from the streets. He's, you know, street smarts. He isn't afraid to get his paws muddy. And then we have Daphne, who is very high maintenance. Like she's getting water from a water bottle. She has her house. She has a whole wardrobe. You know, she's very upper class. And so this causes these two dogs to clash. And we know that because we're actually getting a voiceover from them, which Danny DeVito is the mutt and Diane Keaton is the poodle. And so we get to hear their narration of everything that's going on which I thought that was a nice little touch in this third movie because of course the kids were older so we couldn't no longer do narrations because now they can communicate. But they said, hey, let's just add some dogs into the mix and we get to hear their thoughts, which I thought was very cute and different. Meanwhile, James begins to make a lot of money, but it comes at a price. Now he is gone way more than he is at home. And this actually really gets Molly down because now she's realizing, you know, him not being at home as much, they don't get to spend as much time together with the kids. And obviously now she's home because she's been fired. So that's all she's doing is being at home. And so James becomes super, super busy. And, you know, he he makes a promise that he's going to be home for Christmas. But his boss actually says that she needs him to fly her to a different city on Christmas because of an important meeting about layoffs, then this put James in a very sticky situation where he quite possibly will not be able to make it home for Christmas. But at the same time, Molly is determined to make sure she gets to see her man and have her family together on Christmas. So do they get to keep the dogs? Does, you know, James get to come home for Christmas? Does Molly end up finding a job? Um, Does the boss end up falling for James? You know, all of these little juicy things going on. So this third movie is just as good as the other ones. And I promise you that. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the behind the scenes information. And this is for the last movie. All right, so when Molly is working as a mall elf, because when she loses her job, so a little spoiler alert, She has to do kind of side gigs to kind of get by. So a little girl in line asks her if she's an elf. And she says, no, I'm a Vulcan. And so this is a reference to Allie's memorable movie debut in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where she played Vulcan Lieutenant J.G. Savick. And I've never seen that. I've never seen that Star Trek. So I didn't know that was like her first, you know, film. So that's interesting. So the doll that they made that's supposed to be Charles Barkley, Julie owns it and it's actually a custom made prop. But when Charles Barkley came in for his cameo, the prop department were freaking out because they realized that they had made the doll five shades too dark 
and they were actually worried he would be offended or think they did it on purpose. And it turned out that he loved it and didn't care. The only thing about that to me is a little bit disturbing because, I mean, you know what Charles Barkley looks like. So why would y'all make him darker unless they were trying to figure out the formula for the doll? And granted, this is in the 90s and we know how dolls, specifically black dolls looked and um, they didn't make them look the best or the most presentable. So, um, I mean, it's nothing wrong with a dark skinned doll first off, but um, I just feel like it's a little demeaning when you know what someone looks like and then you it's like why would you make it that dark I don't know but I would say I'm thinking into it too much but at the same time I really don't because I think they they could have taken accountability and been more responsible when they were making that prop all right so the horror movie Mikey and Rox are watching is called The Kiss and it was actually written by the director of this movie so he had his movie play within this movie that he directed so that <laughs> that's cute uh, and then we have Olivia Newton-John. She was actually considered for the role of Samantha, but turned it down because of her then battle with breast cancer, which I believe she's in remission from it or maybe way past remission because she is still alive in here today. I mean, I could have definitely seen Olivia Newton-John playing Samantha, who was the president, who was um, James Boss. But what's funny is if she did, that would have reunited them again because they were in Greece together so her playing his boss would have been very interesting that would actually been cute but you know unfortunately she didn't get to do it but you know end up working with the actress that they had Ooh, I am so glad I was able to make it through this episode I, when I recorded this episode I had to kind of record it in parts because I started so late the night before and I had to finish it the next day and I was trying to finish it during the day, <laughs> um, I'm getting back into the swing of things and I'm feeling much, much better about um, doing content. So I'm super, super excited that I'm able to put out this episode to put out something after all this time. Um, you know, it, it's like when you fall off the horse, it's hard to get back on. But you know what? You realize once you get back on, it's worth it. And when you feel that wind in your hair, you're like, "Ooh, this is what I missed. Yes. So I am so, so glad to be back. That is it for this episode. Make sure to comment below if you plan on seeing this trilogy. And please let me know what you think about it. Uh, let me know which one is your favorite, actually. Do you like the first, the second, or the third? Or maybe there's one in particular you just want to check out. Because to be honest, um, I mean, you don't have to really see the other ones to know what's going on. Because kind of new things happen in each one where it really wouldn't even make or break you understanding what's going on at the time of watching it. But okay, before I kind of end this, if I had to say like, which one is my favorite one of this trilogy, I'm actually going to go with look who's talking to. I think that one's my favorite. Um, of course I love all of them, but I think that one is definitely one I could see myself watching again and again. Cause I really like that one, but I do like three too. And I do like one, but I think it's kind of a tie for two and three for me, which is kind of rare because normally you will love the first one and you normally are like Ugh, to the other two sequels. But that is the opposite for me in this case. But oh well. So yeah, share your thoughts below. Let me know what um, you think of the movies or if you're interested in seeing them or if you have any of your own 
fun fact or behind the scenes information about these movies because you have seen them. Also, if you have any corrections for me on anything I said, feel free to comment below. Now, before I head out, I got to thank my listeners. If you are a returning listener after all of these weeks, thank you so much for coming back. You do not understand how much I appreciate you. And you're a real one, period. And if you're a new listener, well, thanks for stopping by and giving my podcast a chance. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I hope you keep coming back for more content. All right. Now, don't forget to follow my social media and to get information about upcoming episodes. All right. You know what time it is. The show is over. The credits are rolling. And I'll see you at the next show time.